don't give it like a the podcast platform of the Phenomenalist by Leopold Lambert. Today, the politics of space in the city of Mexico with Alejandro Hernandez Garcias. Hello everyone, today my guest is uh, Alejandro Hernandez Galvez, uh, who is the editor-in-chief of the, of the uh, Mexican maga- architectural magazine uh, Arquine, uh, and uh, it happens to be my very first conversation as part of a, a series in Latin America, uh, and so we are, we are here in Mexico City uh, to record this conversation, and, uh, and all those um, uh, well, I don't know. I don't know all, but like at least we, uh, as many as possible of those podcasts will be uh, specific to the place where where we will be recording them. Um, so that being said, uh, hello Alejandro. Hello. Uh, uh, thank you very much for taking the time today to talk to me. Uh, you. Um, you are, uh, in addition of being the editor of Arkine, you you you're also a writer and uh, and. Uh, uh, I guess we could say a theoretician of architecture and, and space in general in the city, and um, and so today we're going to try to speak about uh, uh, precisely the let's say the, the politics of space in uh, Mexico City. Um, but maybe just to begin this conversation, could you could you maybe tell us what are your current projects? I think you have maybe two two books or booklets that you're projecting to do. Yeah, I, I want I want to. Besides what I am doing as, as editor in Arquine, I want to gather some of the essays I have written in the past 10 or 15 years on, on, on Mexican architects and Mexican architecture and trying to, trying to have this, like, this big scope on, on what has happened in Mexico, Mexican architecture in, in the last century, not as an historian, which I am not, but as an architect and as an an architect who has practiced maybe not not much in uh, square meters, but that has been <laughs> thinking in architecture for the last 25 years. And uh, the other book, I think, is like or booklet. I don't know which which, which in what will we end is uh, maybe a consequence of this first one. And I want to try to think. We always say in Mexico that we are a country of big architects and great architecture which I think is true in, on, on, only in part. And I want to think uh, what's behind that myth, uh, that myth or that mythology of, of, of great Mexican architecture. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, perfect. Now we, we, we can try to look a little bit clo- closer at what uh, this Mexican architecture uh, might be and, and not, not this author architecture, but this kind of uh, ubiquitous uh, surrounding us uh, architecture. And... Um, Maybe uh, to to uh, as a as an entrance door to this conversation, um, we can uh, I can maybe relate. The, I can I can maybe uh, talk about uh, what we were talking about when we were preparing this conversation, which was the fact that uh, I arrived three days ago in uh, Mexico City, and uh, therefore <laughs> everything I say about it is is highly. Uh, is is based on a on a ridiculously small amount of time spent here, uh, 
and uh, and actually a good a good proof of that is is uh, me telling you my fascination for all those little informal and evanescent uh, uh, little pieces of activity of social activity and uh, that have uh, that are spatialized and that are architectural. So I was saying, for example, there. The, the the shoe the shoe shiners uh, little stalls that uh, that have the little machines and you you can see uh, sometimes you can see dozens of them uh, uh, in their in the same place and uh, and other other little uh, um, epiphenomenal uh, uh, stalls or little activity like that and. And um, as as you will probably say right now, is that that, that this vision corresponds to a very much a romanticization of uh, of uh, let's say improvisation, and uh, there's, there's something to it that's interesting. But uh, somehow we we need maybe to critique this uh, fascination as well. So uh, please, I'll be happy to hear you about it. I have a, a, an ambiguous view, maybe, in, in relation to that, because. I understand the fascination, and sometimes I, 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 always, I, I, I even share the fascination for this improvisation that is like a characteristic not only for, for, of Mexico City but of Mexico in general. But obviously, being Mexico such a huge city with uh, 20 million inhabitants, it's uh, uh, sharper here than anywhere else in Mexico. And I think it's true. We, we are we are a country where. We improvise a lot. We, we have this uh, also problematic notion of creativity to try to solve things in, in, in a very fast and in, in a very precarious way. But I think that we are so used to that that we usually, as you said, tend to romanticize poverty because all that kind of, not, not all, but most of that kind of improvisation is a result of poverty, of lack of resources which isn't bad when you get to that after uh, huge economical um, uh, uh, crisis like in the rest of the world, like in Europe or in the United States, that you say we have to go to back to the minimum, back to the basics because we didn't know how to live with that. But it's problematic when you all that you have had is that. Uh, and and I, that, I think that it's a problem that we have been working with, with or dealing with even as architects for more than a century. Uh, when, when you were talking a, a, a minutes before, I remember something that a Mexican architect, which is not very well known outside of, outside of Mexico, he, his name was Juan Legarreta. Uh, he was born probably at the beginning of the 20th century and he died in an accident in 1934 or 35 after having won a competition for a for workers house the, the the workers house the ideal workers house in mexico and in 1933 there was a, like a meeting for architects in mexico trying to discuss what was going to be the future of architecture in mexico the discussion was after the revolution if architecture should be um, um, like the modern version of pre-Hispanic architecture or the modern version of colonial architecture or radical functionalism. And he was from the young radical functionalists. And he, they say that he gave an, an extraordinary discourse in, in, in that conference. But after that, uh, the, the, he, they asked him to, 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 to give the, the written version of, of, of what he had said for a book. 
and he refused and he sent us a small handwritten note saying that uh, as long as the Mexican people had to live in, in small one-room huts, there was no need to, to, to architectural rhetoricians. And it, it was very harsh because he said, better we, they have to die, the architectural rhetoricians, and we will wait to the people to have uh, proper houses to then speak about architecture. And, and that discussion, it's as 1933. And I think that we have, are still in that in the thing about half of the time is speaking about identity, in which is this part of the cultural uh, improv. We, are, we have a cultural, how, how could you say it, um, facility or propension to improvisation. And on the other hand, we have this need for uh, formal solutions to poverty mm-hmm. or to marginalization. Mm-hmm. Maybe to give a little bit of a context of uh, this debate, uh, which is relatively, uh, I mean, I guess it, it, it can happen beyond the, uh, uh, the architectural questions, mm-hmm. but, but somehow it happens very much within the architectural uh, scene, so to speak. Uh, uh, and and maybe to give a little bit of context for uh, our listeners that might not be familiar with this debate, um, we can say that there's been, in the recent years, uh, uh, I guess it'd be, it'd be relatively safe to put it, to place it uh, with the, the beginning of the of their, uh, financial crisis. There's been a, a, an absolute fascination for, from architects for what we came to call Architecture without architects, mm-hmm. uh, which is the name of an exhibition by Bernard Redowski mm-hmm. in, uh, at MoMA in New York in, in the 1960s, uh, and so there is there is a very interesting phenomena, phenomena happening. And uh, and again, I mean, it's not about saying oh, there are some people who are fascinated. Mm-hmm. Uh, look how stupid they are, or anything, because I, I'm pretty sure you and me are also uh, to some degree fascinated by those things, but. There is also a complete lack of critic of this mm-hmm. fascination, and so uh, so you see you see people um, um, you see architects basically claiming back the architecture that's been made without them, which is quite an interesting process. And so they make books about mm-hmm. those architectures, they redraw this architecture, mm-hmm. which I, I find fascinating in the fact that you would draw as an architect using the architecture means an architecture that's been already built and that did not require those drawings to exist. So, so all that to say that th- those questions are very much around and so in Mexico but also also uh, in uh, other places in the world and, uh, and uh, architects are seriously lacking of a critic for, for, for this phenomenon. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you share my views on that. I, yeah, I, th- I think that, it, that there's a need that has to do with, with what you're speaking about. Um, let's say the built environment done outside of the domain of the architect, and also, which includes not, not only that done by people which are marginalized from the economic uh, process, but also on the, other, on the other side of the spectrum, those made by uh, developers which are making huge buildings and uh, malls and hotels and uh, even cities from outside of the of the architectural not architectural but from the archi- architect's point of view 
and I think that there's a need to, from the architects to recover that or to claim that domain as part of their their, their, their kingdom, let's say, <laughs> as part of the of, of the of the of the of their feud, and I think that it, it, it's. The problem now, nowadays is the relation between architecture and architects, which in the, in the exhibition of, of, of Rudolski was very clear, architecture without architects. Maybe the, 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 the most normal uh, in the history of the humankind is architecture without architects. Yeah. Ar architects are a modern invention, uh, no, no, not older than, well, we can go to Vitruvius, but maybe no longer than, than the Renaissance, that from Brunelleschi to our days, it's this... Uh, this persona of the architects as, as author and authority over architecture, and, and I think that that's a, 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 a paradigm, if you can say it that way, that it's breaking, that it's uh, dissoluting in, in, in another way of understanding architecture, and all this interest, which I think that maybe or probably most of us that have studied architecture uh, share this, this preoccupation with architecture beyond our our. Uh, disciplinary expertise it's a way of claiming that we're still um, there's still a need for relevant. us yeah. <laughs> but relevant as you, as you say but probably we are not it, it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's very like um, a, a very fashionable statement because it's, it's all, all, the, all the discourse of Cosas, for instance, in the, in the last Biennale is that. Is, is that. In, in, I don't know is that for the last 20 years he has, he has been saying that. Architects are no longer relevant for architecture or for the built environment. But I think that we can take it also from, from our kind of, of, of view, of our point of view. Um, there's a, 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 there was, he, he, he died a couple of years ago, I think, uh, a, a Catalanian, Catalonian a philosopher, Eugenio Trias, who wrote a very f a beautiful book who's, that's called, uh, in Spanish, Logica del Limite, uh, the, the, the logic of the limit. And the first part is the aesthetics of the limit. And he says that architecture and music are the, he calls it, arts on the limit that work to make the world human. And, and he has a, a very simple definition of architecture. He says, architecture is a way to make space human and that's all so you don't have to build you don't have to maybe you only have to to put a rock in, in a place to make it uh, recognizable to remember something or or, 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 or or take some steps to count how, how, how long is from here to there and that may that way of making space human is architecture for him mm. and therefore you can say if you follow that kind of, of, of thinking you can say we are all architects it's like being human is being architect, or being human is very musician because it's language is it's, it's final. It's music is what he what he says. Or we can, or, or you can go in the other way and say, well, architects are those people specialized in understanding this kind of phenomena in a very particular disciplinary way, and we are the ones that know the most how to do this that we call architecture. I think that, that that's the battle what we're fighting to, to, uh, in, in these times, like uh, if we are relevant or not for architecture. Mm -hmm. um, Maybe to go back to the to the idea of romanticization of pover of poverty that you were talking about, um, it it might be a debatable definition, but I think one of the one of the primary aspect of romanticization is always to uh, to see things as an outsider, mm -hmm. 
and therefore that explains my <laughs> fascination for for what I saw in the last three days. But 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 uh, my point is that when you see things from the outsider, the things that you see are also foreign, mm-hmm. and from there it's quite understandable how things can clearly turn towards. Um, the ostracization of the of the otherness, mm-hmm. uh, and so when you romanticize, romanticize something, quite quickly you can you can you can ostracize also the things that you're saying. And I mean, when you when we romanticize poverty, we also uh, um, condemn it to mm-hmm. remain poverty somehow, to remain uh, to be to be seen as pure otherness, and to have maybe an antagonism antagonist feelings about it and uh, I guess I'm saying all that as a build up to uh, uh, the idea that uh, in Mexico or in, in Mexico City or in other places I, I've, I've heard people telling me oh don't go there or, mm-hmm. or don't go there at that time or don't go there by foot or mm-hmm. uh, I mean it's, it's, it's quite interesting how not only there's a mythology of criminalization of a population that also, mm-hmm. is a population that people are fascinated by. So it's it's, it's very interesting how those things ha- are happening simultaneously. But to kind of to place it within our conversation and within our spatial concerns, there is a very strong spatial implication in those advices, mm-hmm. like don't go there, yeah, and don't go there by foot. So like uh, there's also a sort of practice of space, uh, and uh, don't go there, don't go there at that time. There is a temporal aspect of space as well. And so I don't know. I think I'd, I'd like to hear you more, uh, more about that and, and the, for, the sort of uh, uh, this this um, yeah this mythology this uh, this this sort of mythology based on based on uh, real fact or, or not but in the end there's always a sort of narrative that leads to this kind of uh, 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 discursive recommendations that, that eventually make the city mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that, that one of the problems that we have, I don't know, I don't think that only in Mexico is that this, this kind of making equal otherness with, with poverty, like, like we have to respect the otherness of of those people, and, and, and in that world, it's yeah. a lot of violence. Mm. Those people, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. and and obviously we have to respect otherness, the radical others of, of, of the other and diversity and all of that. But to equal that to a way of living that implicitly uh, implies uh, poverty, it's it's, it's it's deeply wrong in, in in a way of understanding that. To, to preserve the way of living of some people is to preserve the way of living in in marginal conditions, and and also to, to, to imagine that the way to solution to to, 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 to better those, those conditions is to change them into an our own conditions. Uh, you were telling me for, before before we, we, we record this that you went to to this the metro insurgentes where it's very 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 crowded and a lot of people and sellers and uh, and um, a lot of things in, in that part of the city it's a very central part of, of mexico city and we were when we when you were seeing that i remembered that once i saw in a small video in in in, in, in youtube uh young mexican urban is saying that her project 
for that part of the city was to transform it into a real public space. And when I heard that, I said, I don't know a more public space in Mexico City than Glorieta Insurgentes. There's a lot of people there. It's, I don't know, you, 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 you must have 800,000 people daily going in and out from the metro to the metrobus to the streets surrounding there. But they are those kind of people that are not seen in, in, in the public space because they, they, they are, I don't know, playing or hearing music that you don't like or, or, or they are in the space in a way that you don't imagine this, the public space to be. So this, this difference between how, how do you transform the conditions of people living in, in poverty without... Um, affecting this otherness of, of, of the people without the, the classical theme now of gentrification and mm -hmm. expelling people from, from, from neighborhoods and all of yeah. that. The colonial scheme. Basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, how do you deal with that without transforming everyone into a copy of yourself? This, 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 I remember when, 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 um, when, when we had, we had uh, in, in, in Arquín, in one congress, uh, an, an anthropologist, Manuel Delgado, he's also from, from Catalonia, and he, 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 told some, he, he gave an extraordinary lecture, uh, and he began saying, you invited me to speak about uh, public space, and I always say to my students that public space is ideological. It's not, there's not public space. There's an ideology about public space. And the problem in, in our cities is that the people building, thinking, uh, legislating, and, uh, and uh, worrying about public space mostly are from the middle classes because they are architects, they are urbanists, they are uh, 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 people in the government, which normally are from the middle classes. The, the upper classes don't mind about public space because they can take their plane and go everywhere, on, on, anywhere in the world that they want to. And the lower classes, they don't care about the public space because they have to live it in another way. So when we middle classes see someone in Mexico, for instance, we have this problem, uh, because we, we assume it is a problem of a lot of people, half of the of Mexican economy is informal economy. And it's, it's not informal at all. It's very formalized. It's very organized. They, they have... Um, ways of claiming streets, wh where you can sell, where you cannot sell. They pay, they are not taxes, but they pay to people that control the streets to sell, sell in, in some street. And it's very, very organized, but it's outside of the usual or normal scheme of not only of law, but mostly of economics, of taxes and all of that. And we think that that's a way of occupying public space that it's not normal, that we have to normalize that way of occupying public space. And the only way we get to think on that is, 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 is imagining that we have to transform it into a Mexican copy of Barcelona or of, of Paris. I remember once, I remember once we, we invited a, a, a friend, a, he's a philosopher from here from Mexico, to, to a class in, in, in the architectural school. And he, he told to the students something that I don't know if they remember it, but I remember from 10 years from now. He said, you architects always are thinking to change cities into a uh, kind of Paris, because Paris is the, the, the ideal city. And you don't think that the only thing that you need to change Mexico City into Paris is to have Parisians living in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And we don't have Parisians living in Mexico, so, so you can transform Mexico into, into Paris. And, and this, this way of thinking that the only way to transform the urban the way the people live in, in a urban space like Mexico City is to transform them 
from others into in Spanish it's, 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 it, it, I, I, in English I can say it because in Spanish we would say it, to transform it from otros into nosotros uh, in mm. Spanish it, that works very well but it transforms them from others into ourselves mm-hmm. and, 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 and that's a, a huge problem I think in, in Mexico it's, it's also a, a problem because we have a, a not recognized a not openly recognized uh, very strong social classification or stratification in Mexico. We, we, we're always, we're almost like if we lived in a light or, 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 or hidden apartheid system or in a uh, caste system like in India, but we, we don't recognize it. And it's inscribed in space in Mexico. You, you have people that only shops the, their, their goods in, in the street. You have people that shop them in, in small stores that are more less expensive but they look less expensive and you have people buying the same things and maybe even cheaper in uh, in, in, in in stores that look like they are expensive mm. so so that, that's a very strange thing in Mexico I think. Mm-hmm. well maybe just to go back to the idea that uh, every architect and urbanist always tend to uh, uh, transform uh, any city into Paris uh, I mean Paris is an example I, I know <laughs> I know all too well, uh, but pre- precisely I think it is it is very. Uh, uh, um, the, I, I would almost argue that the violence is not to impose another city mm-hmm. on on another. Mm-hmm. The violence is actually Paris is, is our, the, the public space of Paris is very much a violence mm-hmm. in in the sense that you were describing, because uh, the public sp- what what you think of Paris. Uh, public space is is very much comparable to uh, an airport public space, <laughs> meaning there is there is an access, there's checkpoints mm-hmm. that uh, obviously in the case of Paris it would be a, 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 a monetary and social mm-hmm. checkpoints because um, most of the working class lives outside of the city and sometimes in very very exclusionary spatial conditions. Uh, I say sometimes, I should say often, and. Uh, And so there is this sense of like, oh, look, this public space works so mm-hmm. well. Look, there's some people getting beers along mm-hmm. the Canal Saint-Martin in mm-hmm. the east, mm-hmm. east of Paris. But yes, of course, because you basically selected the population you wanted to be yeah. actors of this public space. So I think that's where the, the entire critic should, should be yeah, aiming. We have, we, this last couple of years, we have had that in, in Mexico City in a, in a very clear way happening in a, in, a, in a particular space which is the Zócalo, the center, the main square of Mexico City mm. and symbolically the main place of, of, of the country, of all of Mexico. And usually from, from, from all of my life I have remembered that the Zócalo is a place where if anyone had some political, economical, social claim, the, 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 the obvious way to, 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 to claim it, it was to occupy the Zócalo. Mm. And they could occupy it for a day or for weeks or for months and we were used to that and it, it was like well that's part of the way Mexico, things goes, goes in Mexico you have to, to, to make a claim to the government you go to the Zócalo and you place yourself there and you occupy it for days or weeks or months and in the last years the, the, the local government of the city which curiously is a, a left government has uh, begin to think that that's wrong because the Zócalo is a public square and if it is public it's for all of us and not for a particular group that is claiming 
any particular uh, uh, thing to the government. And the way they have chosen to, 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 to expel these people, well, there has been obviously pol, 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 the police around the, 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 the Socalo to expel people and, and things like that. But they found a very uh, obvious and, in, in a way, very very innocent way of, of, of expelling people. That it's, they have every day, every week of, of, of the year, a particular event happening in the Socalo, a concert, a... a, a, a a book fair, uh, uh, I, I don't know, anything. Do you, so there's not a day in the, in, 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 in the year that the Sokolo is empty. Mm-hmm. And it is not empty for the fear of the government that people will take or occupy again the Sokolo. So the notion of a public space has changed radically in these years because we assume that having a, a, a nice... Um, a, 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 a place to, to skate in, in, in ice in, in December, which is also strange in Mexico City, <laughs> to, to, to do it, it's better that, than having some teachers uh, demanding for better salaries or better wages or, or anything like that. It's true that many of those groups that were occupying the Socalo and public places in Mexico City are managed also by uh, people that are want to make uh, political pressure to, to, to the government and things like that. There's no purity in, the, in, 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 any, in any group to say that, well, they are the, 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 the real ones that you have to, 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 to endorse the, the, the demands. But the solution is very, very, in a way, it's very authoritarian, but mm-hmm. disguised in this way of uh, making the, the, the public space in a public square where everyone has to uh, has access to these kinds of amusement park uh, mm-hmm. uh, for for the masses, but excluding any kind of, 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 of protest from the space, and, and that's a way in which Mexican in, in Mexico City the public space has changed in in, in, in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And maybe you should say that. Symbolically, uh, this place is also important because it's right in front of the presidential yes, palace. Yes. Right? So there is a direct visibility of their uh, a direct visibility of, of their of their potential uh, social movements and and the actual place of uh, of the executive power. Uh, uh, and I suppose the, the activities you were you were talking about are also talking about this. Uh, 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 selection of, of a certain public of the mm-hmm. public yeah. of, uh, that we hear in public space and in that case clearly a concert uh, ice rink and uh, all those things it's, it's clearly directed at the, at the middle class once again yeah and, and, and also it's, it's very selective because you have on the skews of, of, of um, security you have checkpoints on the entrance to the, the Socalo. So everyone who is going with a, with a backpack has to be checked before going to the to Socalo because there's going to be a, a, a concert or, 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 or a screening of, of a football match or something like that. And we have to preserve the security of the people. Mm-hmm. So to preserve the security of the people, you're clearly violating the, the rights of the people because the, the, the freedom of transit is... is, is uh, is abolished in, 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 in a way that it, it's even, we, we don't like to think of that, but it, it, it's against the Constitution in Mexico. You, you have freedom of, of transit. In Me- you, you, you don't need to show 
any kind of, uh, of, of, of ID in Mexico to go from any point to any point. But if you're going to the Zócalo in an afternoon that there's a concert and you look suspicious and you have a backpack, there's going to be a policeman who's going to say, I want to check your back backpack, show me your ID, which we don't have an official ID. We use the credential you use to vote as an official ID, but it's not written in the Constitution that we have to have an ID. So there's a lot of... of, of, of uh, let's paralegal para <laughs> stratagems to do this in, 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 to, 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 to make the public space in a space that is only for some of us, not, not for all of us. And you, you, you just say uh, uh, bodies that look suspicious and mm -hmm. that, that makes me uh, uh, um, reach a, a, a new chapter, a new question that I wanted to ask you. And because I'm, I'm very familiar in how uh, in uh, in Europe uh, and in uh, in uh, in the United States and maybe even in a few countries in Asia, how how uh, how there is a systematic uh, 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 police definition of what body might look mm -hmm. suspicious and and which uh, which obviously uh, uh, brings brings us to, brings us back to uh, what is happening right now in Ferguson in, mm -hmm. uh, in misery uh, and uh, and uh, bl black bodies being uh, Uh, almost with a, with full impunity being shot by the police and so that's something I wanted to ask you and, and really I, I, I'm fully ignorant uh, of what I'm asking you but is there is there a very strong uh, a similar po uh, a police and kind of imminent uh, uh, politics of racism within Mexico or I think there is but it's in a way it's more perverse than in, than in, in other parts because I think that Mexico still has a very colonial structure. Mm -hmm. If you go to, to, to eat in a very expensive restaurant in Polanco, for instance, you can statistically see that 90% of the people eating there have um, clearer skin tone than the people that are, that are serving, for instance, mm -hmm. or that the people that are guarding them, their, their, their bodyguards and, uh, and the people that are driving their cars or, and all of that. But the problem with, with the relation between police and people is that that difference isn't, isn't inscribed there because the police is from the same uh, it, it's, 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 it's the same um, skin tone than the people that they're judging to be to be suspected mm -hmm. because in Mexico to be you, you don't find like, it's not like in Ferguson that you will find white policemen and black uh, mm -hmm. people here you have. Uh, brown policemen and brown people but the, the distinction between being suspect and not being suspect is between how do you look and the police has this kind of um, forgetting that they look the same way that the people they are judging to be suspect the uniform does that certainly. yeah 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 Okay, well, Alejandro, thank you so much for thank you, thank taking you, the time to talk to me today in uh, Mexico City. And as I was saying, to open this, uh, this uh, Latin American series. Uh, uh, and uh, I mean, we, we've been exchanging for quite a few years now, so I was, I was really happy to, to start with you. Thank you. Thanks to you. <laughs>